Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On a mixtape just around the corner Did a lot in California Can't wait to drop this don't you Yeah, they gon' have fun with that Smash like song and my song's gon' break through like a running Hello, back. welcome back to the podcast that's all up to speed with Formula One Mark Daly and TSN's Racing Pods Tim Haraney here to break down all the action from a full weekend of racing at the Belgian Grand Prix Summer break is over Tim, my man, how was your summer break? Judging by the amount of stuff you've been doing with the pod, it's been pretty busy. Yes, yeah, it definitely has been really busy. Um, doing a bunch of interviews with, uh, well, actually, in the in the summer break, mostly focusing on IndyCar because F1 obviously is uh, is on their break. So I did some really fun stuff with a lot of drivers. I uh, did some good stuff with a guy by the name of Gavin Ward, who, those of you who don't know who that is, Gavin was the race engineer for David Coulthard, Daniel Ricardo, Sebastian Vettel, and am I missing somebody else? I think that's I think that's pretty much pretty much everybody. <laughs> the pretty big names either way within the sport of Formula One. And Absolutely. now he's yeah, now he's the trackside engineer for McLaren in IndyCar. Uh, so yeah, sat down with him for for half an hour. I've known Gavin since uh, my early racing days in Formula Ford. Um, when he used to be an engineer there. So I've known Gavin for quite a long time. He's had an incredible career. So if those of you who want to check that out, you can uh, get the TSN Racing Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it was a great interview. And yeah, I'm sure you, a lot of you will really like it. I was just going to say that he must have a pretty cool skill set with all those different forms of motorsport that, that, that he's worked in. That's very, very oh, cool. The stories this guy has is uh, incredible. Even just from where he started to where he is now. I mean, this is a guy who's, who's, he's from the Toronto area. Um, just took a chance, went over to England, got accepted into a pretty good engineering school, uh, over there applied for a bunch of like internships at a bunch of formula one teams and uh, got accepted. Uh, eventually he got accepted. He got accepted into red bull, uh, spent a bunch of time there and just worked his way up the ladder pretty impressive um story that, that he has so yeah i should definitely check that out because uh th- the guy's full of information daily <laughs> very very cool I, as you know <laughs> i've been completely on summer break so i'm still catching up so that one is now towards the top of the list of the podcasts yep. that are must listen to that uh, that i haven't gotten to in the last uh, you know two weeks so right on well that's awesome man but like you say formula one has been on the summer break and now it's back in action and we were at spa and it sounded like in the last couple of weeks this was going to be it for the iconic belgian circuit but news broke uh, just the the other day that uh, they're going to be back on the calendar for 2023 formula one ceo stefano domenicali told sky sports f1 quote 
we have to congratulate the job the organizers did. You can see the investment they did. You see the number of people that are coming here. Incredible crowd, incredible attention to the people. Uh, and this is great, I think, for the sport. We always have said that the race is a part of our tradition and it has a very important space in our calendar. And that is a fact that we wanted to share in this moment. End quote. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. For, for me, the Formula One championship without Spa on it, it's like not having Silverstone. It's not liking, not like having Monza and some of these other like must go to places. And I was excited to hear this little bit of mixed emotions that it's only for one more year, but maybe this just gives them some additional time to get things sorted out and maybe do something a little bit more more permanent do you have any more information that you've been able to dig up in the past couple of days or or yeah, how can was, you enlighten us further definitely a difficult deal to get done i know the race organizers were really having a hard time coming into this race weekend trying to get formula one on board uh with uh having them back on the calendar for 2023 and beyond i think uh it's great that they were able to get a deal done this is a a track that does belong on the formula one calendar yes i do understand that it's not like um this great track that's located close to a city it's out in the middle of nowhere it's kind of like a camping sort of circuit um the investment that the organizers and the track and the track owners have made into uh doing a lot of renovation to everything not simply just the racetrack which we saw with the gravel traps on the exit of turn one and uh the extended runoff through Eau Rouge and Radion, and then a little bit of work done down by turn eight turn nine um and some more gravel traps added uh down that that direction uh, but there's also other stuff happening off the track. I mean, if people didn't notice, there was a lot of grandstands that were removed. There was a lot of forestry that um, was cut down. They're, they are going to be building that up a little bit more. Uh, and the focus for them is trying to make sure that they're not only giving uh, race fans the race on the track, but most importantly, making sure that there's entertainment happening off the track. And I think for Formula One, you know, that's extremely important for Liberty Media. You know, they have a mandate to make sure that, you know, fans are being entertained and not only just by racing at the track. I mean, Dale, you know that back in the day when you would go to a Formula One race, it would basically, you'd go there, you maybe see one, maybe two support races, uh, and then that would be it. You would leave the track and there'd be nothing else to do. But, you know, now there's a lot more happening at the racetrack. They're with Live Nation. They've partnered up with, I mean, obviously Liberty Media owning part of that as well. Uh, there's concerts, you know, there's tons of festivals going on as well in and around uh, the tracks uh, that we go to. So I think for 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 F1, for Liberty, just making sure that Spa is going to follow through on, on that front, I think was also a huge, huge reason why this deal got done. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, just to take a look at uh, some other big uh, elite uh, high-level events, like the Super Bowl, for example. The Super Bowl, obviously, is in a complete different uh, league in many, many ways. But, I yeah. mean, the lead-up that, that that week before Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like a, a billion things going on, mm-hmm. literally. It, it's more than just Super Bowl Sunday. So, glad to see that uh, Formula One's moving uh, with, with the time somewhat. Quickly, before we get into all the action on the track this weekend... Hit me with a couple of your must-have racetracks that have to be on the, the the calendar each and every year. I think those to make sure that that the heritage sort of tracks are on on the calendar are really important to me. You know, I I think having like the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, what else are we? You know, like Australia. Uh, Imola, uh, Spain, Monaco, and Silverstone, and Austria, and Spa, and Monza, Singapore, uh, making sure like Brazil is there. And I would also start to factor in Mexico as well a little bit because I think those are kind of really big time events and same with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Grand Prix as well. Uh, Those are like for me, must-haves, they need to be on the calendar. Uh, same with like Japan. Yeah, uh, going 100%. to Suzuka is an incredible like experience as a driver, but as a as a fan, I mean, us over here uh, on Eastern Time Zone and yourself on Pacific, it's, um, you know, the hours do you in pretty good, but <laughs> it's still worth it, right? I mean, the track's incredible and to watch Formula One cars go around uh, a track like Suzuka is is awesome. So yeah, th- for me, those are the types of tracks that I think that like they need to be on the on the calendar. Like I call them, I would call them like heritage uh, uh, tracks. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's perfect. I don't think I really have any uh, other ones, uh, that, that that I would add to that list. I'm glad that you threw Suzuka in the the at, at the end there because I think that is a phenomenal track. I, I can mm-hmm. only imagine what a challenge and what a thrill it must be to get behind the steering wheel and lay some <laughs> rubber down and just throw it around. I mean, the R130. I, I think that if you can nail that corner, there's no way that you would ever have to prove your courage anywhere else. And it's <laughs> that is one of the coolest co- quarters, anyways. Tim, okay. Hey, let's get into it now. Belgian Grand Prix always, or it, it, it's been at least in recent times, the restart after the summer break. We've seen some memorable races there. Last year, we had a memorable race for all the wrong reasons. This year, I think uh, David Croft on the Sky Sports uh, feed said that this was about the first time he'd ever had read out the forecast where they said that there was a 0% chance of precipitation at Spa, which I think is a you know, is probably a record. There's always a chance of rain, whether or not it actually happens after the lights go green is another thing. But last year it was a complete washout. And they did those couple of token laps behind the safety car, and then they called it a day. And it was obviously very controversial after they and then awarding all the half points and everything. This weekend, all the conversation was for the right things for the most part, and that's about what uh, what happened on the track. Before we talk about Sunday and talk about what happened, I want to talk about uh, the qualifying because qualifying was obviously quite bizarre in a way because before the cars even took to the track for qualifying you're going to have um pardon me um max and charles starting from the back of the grid 
because of uh, penalties that uh, that they were going to take. That didn't. Well, that that happened. But they are also joined by Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, Joe Guanyu, Mick Schumacher, and Yuki Tsunoda. So Max and Charles, who were going to start way at the back there, the last two spots on row ten, they actually started in P fourteen and fifteen, and that other list of characters you know, kind of filled up the spots behind them. So, I mean, obviously penalties are a part of uh, Formula One for anything from switching components on your engine, the full power unit change, gearboxes, etc. But this was quite excessive. I don't recall another race in recent memory when we've seen that many cars having to take uh, grid penalties. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's time to rethink how they hand out these penalties because technically a power unit change is not the driver's fault unless the driver absolutely like redlines it and blows the thing up but i mean sure. at the end of the yeah. yeah at the end of the day i mean these things are mechanical and they're on the team's shoulders not necessarily on the driver's shoulders so i don't really agree with penalizing the race driver uh, what i would suggest is maybe a rethink on how they do this maybe it's like taking away championship points from the constructor standings. Um, yeah, who, who knows? There's a bunch of other ideas that are floating around there as well, but I like that one the most because you're, you're not really, it is tough because like Max was incredible this weekend, his qualifying lap. Nobody was, nobody was touching him. No one was ever getting close to that. And it was an amazing lap. And he technically doesn't really get pole. He starts from the back of the grid. I mean, starts 14th and that's not, that's not fun. That's not cool. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was probably, it wasn't even that great for viewing. Like he was in the lead or he was in the third place by like lap eight. So give me a break, right? It's just, it didn't even add that much to the show, but by the end of the day, I mean, they're, they're probably still going to continue with this, but I would like to see them do a rethink on how they hand out these penalties. Yeah, maybe the penalty or deducting world uh, championship points and the constructors is the best way to do it because, I mean, fair enough. I mean, if you're awarding points for drivers and constructors, that there there has to be some sort of penalty somewhere. But like you say, I mean, unless the driver goes out there and, you know, destroys his own equipment one way or another, then it just seems, like you say, it seems excessively harsh that he's being penalized for something that's, you know, not his own fault. So I think there's a, a legitimate conversation about uh, or to, to be had there but you make a great point about max's non-pole lap i mean he crushed it i mean he was what mm-hmm. six seven tenths ahead of carlos mm-hmm. Sainz, who was the second yep. fastest car max's non-pole time or pole in inverted commas whatever you want to call it <laughs> he crushed it a 143.665 he's the only one who Car- got into the 143s exactly he was the only one that got into the <laughs> 143s carlos's time was a 144.297 sergio perez his teammate in supposedly identical equipment he's a 144.462 i mean he's eight or nine tenths of a second almost behind his own teammate i mean that is just an incredible lap from 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 max verstappen yeah and i think like also at the uh, on the tail end of that you know carlos science i i think on his final push in q3 i, I don't think he had the tire uh activated very well uh, it kind of seemed like the tire actually didn't start coming to life until the back half of the of the lap, and by that time, you know he's already he's already kind of you know up the creek. So I think for 
for for Carlos if he had gotten the tires activated, I mean, he probably could have gotten like a high 43.9 or maybe even a 44 flat, but I still don't think he was getting anywhere near that time uh, of Verstappen's. I mean, same with Sergio Perez. Again, I think he had some heating issues with the front front tires. I don't think he's getting. I don't think he's getting anywhere near Max's time either. I mean, Max literally dominated that qualifying, and he was absolutely spectacular to watch. Well, his, his supposed championship rival Charles Leclerc, he was fourth fastest in qualifying. His Q three time was a one forty three, or sorry, a one forty four point five five three. I mean, that was only good for for P four, but. After all the the penalties are applied, you have Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez in row one, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, kind of like a throwback <laughs> McLaren <laughs> deal from 2008. They're on row two in the third and fourth. George Russell and Alex Albon, fifth and sixth. I mean, what a performance by Alex Albon. That is, mm, for sure. I think, one of the stories of the weekend that maybe doesn't get enough uh, attention that he deserves. Yeah. You have Danny Ricardo and Pierre Gasly on row four, and then Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel, both the Astons into the top 10, ninth and 10th for, for Lance and Sebastian. I think that, you know, it's they've been a frustrating team to watch because it seems when it comes to putting the puzzle together for an entire weekend it, it's not always there and they, they sometimes they get really close to nailing it but it was good to see that and of course they they benefited uh, from these these penalties that other drivers uh, were, were taking but great to see both of the astons in uh, in ninth and tenth yeah and also they had a brand new front wing for lance this weekend and they didn't they didn't run it um my crack has you know, told us after the race, they're probably going to look at running this new front wing when they get to, to Monza. Uh, Cause it's the type of front wing that would benefit greatly with straight line speed. But I, I don't know how much the, um, the technical directive that kindly uh, was made official just before um, this race week. I don't know how much that affected them because it doesn't really look like it, it affected them much. It actually, it looked like it did the opposite where it actually brought some teams towards them and it actually kind of looks like it helped them a little bit as well. That's not confirmed yet. The team doesn't quite know. They haven't broken down all the data, but just from looking at it and seeing the times and seeing how competitive, you know, Lance was all weekend. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that TD has helped them quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, really good to see. So exciting. It was an interesting first lap when the the, the lights uh, went green. So let's talk about that first, because that was obviously the big story. And then we can get into the how the race had developed uh, from there. Of course, you go from start finish, you have that very sharp right uh, hander going into La Source, and you have the complex going up into Eau Rouge and the Camel Straight get to the chicane at the end and writes only oh. four or five corners into it. A bit of drama <laughs> between Lewis and Fernando, the old adversaries from way back in the day. I think like Mark, one of the, one of the things like we need to take a quick look at is obviously with that gravel runoff that's been put down on the exit of turn one in the past, when we've seen these race starts, they've been pretty chaotic heading down into turn one at, at spa and, We've seen a lot of cars go off and rejoin and actually gain positions from from doing that. And with the gravel being laid down, you didn't really see like they, everyone was pretty cautious heading into turn one at the start of this race. There was there's nobody really, really trying anything too silly. Um, I mean, Max had a great start 
that being said, so did Lewis Hamilton and <laughs> obviously so did Fernando Alonso. Uh, and yeah, the two of them making contact uh, towards, you know, heading into turn five there. I mean, Lewis ended up taking the blame for it. The FIA just ruled it out as a racing incident. I don't know about that one. I mean, you know, Fernando was up on the curbing. Um, you're not, he's not supposed to be that far up. And Lewis kind of did look like he squeezed him quite a bit. Uh, they're mm-hmm. just lucky that that didn't end in, in tears because that could have been a, a massive accident daily. Oh, yeah. I mean, we get to the end of the Kemmel straight. I mean, they're doing 200 MPH plus. I mean, they are really cruising. But it was interesting when they came out of uh, Eau Rouge and Radion and they go into the Kemmel straight there. I mean, what what happened was uh, Louis or sorry, um, Fernando made his one defensive move. He drew over to the right hand side of the track. And then you get to the end of the straight. He kind of pulled the he sort of drew a little bit to the left again just to get the line right into the corner. But then Lewis really came across sharply and chopped him. Like you say, he owned it. He took all the blame, say, yeah, I just didn't really take or give enough uh, room for for Fernando. But Fernando, in true Fernando fashion, immediately on the radio saying, quote, what an idiot closing the door from the outside. We had a mega start, but this guy only knows how to drive and start at first, end quote. I mean, Fernando, I mean, that's a classic Fernando statement, right? I mean, he's throwing a guy under the bus. (laughs) Statistically, he's a little wrong on that one, but yeah, okay. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I, I know, right? But I mean, it, it, it's sort of a classic Fernando. I mean, he's he, he's like criticizing and throwing one guy under the bus in one breath, and the second he he's self glossing and and making you know he's like he, he's pumping you know, he's pumping his own tires and say what a, what a great start that he had to, you know, like three quarters earlier. I just thought you know I, I had to laugh at what had happened, but amazingly he gets uh, away with with very minimal or no damage at all, and Lewis. Two thirds of a lap later, he's pulling over, and you know that it was rather sad watching Lewis Hamilton. I, I can't believe they didn't find a scooter or a golf cart to pick up a seal this guy and take I him back to the pits. It I was can't crazy. believe they got that. I can't believe they got that camera shot. Like of him. Yeah, kudos for that because like, how the hell did they do that? I mean, that camera shot of Lewis walking away is absolutely yeah. incredible, man. Like, 
Well, that's like the, the Fernando in 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 the uh, in the in the uh, the folding chair pictures from from all those years ago. You know that became a bit of a meme, but you know sunbathing. Well, yes, yeah, sunbathing. <laughs> that was also very Fernando moment, just like his radio tirades. But tell us a little bit more about what happened to Lewis's car in the end. Yeah, damage. Obviously, uh, it sounded like it was uh, had to do something with a puncture to the uh, to the rear. Uh, and the team obviously quickly telling him to stop and put pull over and, and, and you know, and, and the race type deal. But um, it's uh, it's a shame because you have to sit here and think, you know, what could have been with this race with uh, specifically Fernando and Lewis being uh, that high up and then having a driver like uh, Max come through and to see what would happen with with both of them. Right. I mean, it would have been interesting, and in, in those um, in the Mercedes, they actually looked pretty decent in the race, and I think a lot of it had to do with the temperatures uh, that were quite higher. They were about ten degrees higher uh, during race day than they were all weekend, so I think that kind of helped. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, we can get into Mercedes in a little bit here, but it, it's a very tough weekend uh, for that team just as a whole. Daily, it was mm-hmm. not, not good. Yeah, they kind of struggled, and uh, but but by the time it was all said and done, George almost could have. I, I guess he was close enough that he felt like that 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 third place was just beyond yeah. arm's reach. And and I think I really felt like a lot of kind of like what ifs and and a little bit. I wouldn't say frustration, but just like I I feel like. The, to, to George after it was all said and done that that P3 definitely was in play and he just wasn't quite able to 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 get that payoff that uh, he was really aiming for. Yeah, and a, a big issue with that is the straight line speed that the Mercedes was struggling with all weekend. You know, we heard Lewis Hamilton on Saturday telling us like it was felt like a parachute on, uh, <laughs> on the back of the car. Like He actually made mention that, you know, they changed so much on this Mercedes springs shocks front wing rear wing underneath there's so many different things that Lewis Hamilton changed in his car um during and heading into qualifying that it was you know ridiculous they threw everything at it and they still couldn't figure out why they couldn't get this car to work they were 1.8 seconds off and you know total wolf is telling us that's uh, unacceptable for them to go from yeah being in pole position in Hungary to, you know, where they, where they were on, on Saturday following qualifying and being that far off is shocking. Really. I mean, that's a huge Delta, like massive. Like oh, I didn't massive. expect them. Yep. I didn't expect them to be that far off. In fact, I thought they were going to be battling for, um, podiums this weekend, uh, competitively battling, but they weren't even anywhere to be found, you know, hearing Lewis again, you know, kind of wrap, things up basically saying he's not gonna he's not gonna be sad when he sees this car uh go away at the end of the season which leads me to believe they're they're gonna be doing something they're i i would be shocked if we see a similar car concept from mercedes on the grid in in 2023 i I really would um it just doesn't sound like it's gonna happen it it sounds like they've, they've almost given up on this car concept just simply because of how difficult it is to tune and to get into a proper operating window. I mean, for most teams, it takes them a day. Uh, Sometimes Mercedes doesn't have anything all weekend. So Hmm. there you go. 
Yeah, and that kind of echoes kind of the thoughts that uh, that I was having as well today, and just kind of watching George and well all weekend long, honestly. And I've I couldn't help but wonder what is the W fourteen or whatever they choose to to call that car next year. What's it going to look like? So it really, yeah, it, you know, it, 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 it's, I was just going to say. Also, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Daly. No, I was just going to say that I, I was completely in agreement. Is is just like what motivation would they have to further iterate and evolve this design? Because it clearly is. It's just too difficult to dial this car in. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, when you hear the drivers as well, they're you know complaining that there's a lack of straight line speed. Uh, the rear is unstable. You know, heading into the braking zones. You know, Lewis was complaining a lot about understeer and turns eight and turn nine and bouncing the car, bouncing through high speed sections. That doesn't give the driver confidence to push and to risk and um, to, to get on to the limit. So I think at the, the end of the day, I mean, those are all like glaring details of just how difficult this car is to get right and it's not only just like one problem that they look like they're facing now, it's kind of like multiple problems. And I have to wonder, you know, how much did this technical directive, how much did that affect what Mercedes does? Because if we go all the way back to Azerbaijan and the amount of bouncing and porpoising that they had at that racetrack, right. and then they came to Canada and things started to get a little sorted out, but there was a lot of complaining by the drivers, especially the ones from Mercedes, about their health um, and the amount of, you know, whatever they were calling them, micro concussions, I believe it was was being called, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Could, be, could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, and just, you know, having them push that health issue forward on the FIA where it kind of was like, well, teams are starting to get the hang of the the bouncing and in, in the porpoising, right? It just was Mercedes was actually the only team that really wasn't. And, you know, when you start factoring in like driver's health and things like that, you know, the FIA is going to take it very seriously. And lo and behold, you know, they come through with this technical directive that's, you know, they had to raise it 15 millimeters more from what it already is. And this Mercedes car is just like, like a, a shell of its former self. I mean, it was very competitive in the handful of races uh, that we had before the summer break. Mm-hmm. And now we come back and this thing is like almost two seconds off the pace daily. Like that's like shocking, man. Like that is shocking. So I have to wonder, you know, what that technical directive had, like the effect it had on the car. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see what, um, what the engineers say about it. Well, it's funny because it seems every time, well, it's not funny, but it's every time I see Toto and something's happened on race day or in qualifying, it's just the look on his face is just like, Somebody, please tell me when 2022 is over because I, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> it's just like, let's put this yeah. year behind us. Let's focus on 23 and let's get, get back to where we were. Because like you say, I mean, two seconds like Delta for anyone is massive. But I mean, for, for Mercedes, I mean, that is that that's I mean, that that Delta is just even more amplified just because the fact that it's Mercedes and they've been dominant in Formula One for the past decade. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. mind boggling that they could go from where they were to where they are now in such a small amount of time. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And it has to be, this has to be the worst car 
or these have to be the worst performances that Mercedes has had under the eye of Total Wolf. Have to be. It it has never been this bad. And so I don't think like Total Wolf is a competitor and being where he is now at uh, Mercedes and just how high up he is and his responsibility there, I honestly don't, I'm not surprised at every time they do those camera shots of him just really unimpressed. I'm not Mm -hmm. surprised to see it. Not surprised one bit. This guy is, he's used to running at the front and they are just nowhere near doing that. Well, I mean, his sort of catchphrase is that they're chasing perfection and they're a long way from catching perfection oh, at the at the moment. So let, let's move ahead. Uh, before we kind of get into the next uh, bunch of stories and quotes and comments and analysis, I got to give the, I'll, I'll give out the top 10 in the final race cl- classification because that'll give a little bit of uh, context. So after it was all stead- said and done, despite the handicap of having to start at from P14, Max Verstappen wins it, Sergio Perez uh, P2, Carlos Science hanging on for P3, George Russell P4 in the Mercedes. Fernando Alonso was fifth in the Alpine. Charles Leclerc sixth after getting uh, penalized for speeding in the pit lane and being demoted. Seventh was Esteban Ocon in the second Alpine. Sebastian Vettel eighth in the, uh, I was going to say the Mercedes, but the Aston Martin Aramco Mercedes. When I look at the full team names, I always get the throne. Pierre Gasly, despite having an electrical issue in the car and barely making or having no electrical power. It was at even 90 seconds before the start of the race comes home in ninth and Alex Albon in Williams. No, you did not hear that incorrectly. The Williams driver coming home in the top 10. I think that's uh, one of the great stories of the weekend. I think that was also a very solid uh, performance from Sebastian Vettel, solid performance for the, for the Alpines uh, in fifth and seventh. Again, we talked a little bit briefly about George Russell, Charles Leclerc, another uh, Saturday or Sunday to forget. And then when you look, another one, two, another dominating performance, another dominating weekend from Red Bull. Do you have to think that somebody in Tokyo at Honda Red Bull or Honda headquarters is regretting the decision to pull out uh, you know that's not even the real like <laughs> description but to decide to, to let red bull have the naming rights to these power units i mean they're on track for a driver's world championship another constructors world championship and there's gonna be no honda badging or anywhere in the conversation except somebody might say at some point in the future yeah well that wasn't really a red bull true power unit it was just basically a rebadged honda power unit but Wow, you got to think in Tokyo. There's some major regret going on there because that's a, a marketing blunder of the of the highest proportion. I have to think. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it, when you look at Red Bull powertrains firing up their first uh, internal combustion engine just before uh, the summer break, I mean that factory and uh, that corporation is looks like they're they're moving forward, man. They're 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 oh, gonna yeah. be making their own power units. And at one point or another, I'm pretty sure we'll hear about it soon. But Porsche will also probably most likely be playing a factor in all of that as well. I mean, if you're Honda, uh, you gotta be kicking yourself right now because this is th- these well, are marketing Porsche dollars. Guys, they kind of know how to build dollars. engines and cars. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally right. Like for Honda, like, these are marketing dollars. You can just, you know, yep. you're just watching them fly away, right? And you're also helping Red Bull a bit with their engines right now at the same time. 
Mm-hmm. So I think for <laughs> for for Honda, I can see them coming back. I have a feeling at some point or another where we will see them make a return uh, to Formula One. When that will be, I have no idea. I have a theory, uh, and I'm just going to air this out. I don't know if that like there's no truth to it. Uh, these are my thoughts. I think you know you 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 allow you allow Andretti to get the team come in maybe do something for 2024 um or 2025 get them ready bring them in and you badge it Andretti Honda or you mm-hmm. find or Michael Andretti finds a way of teaming up with Honda to come back into Formula 1 because right now F1's one of their bigger mandates is trying to get more OEMs into into F1 I I'm not sure to, I'm not you know I told this to to Hammy last week, I'm not a huge proponent of that simply because, you know, we've seen engine manufacturers come and go real quick in formula one and it can really bite them in the butt. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, if, if I'm Michael Andretti, I'm on the phone to Honda, man, like, and I'm calling anybody and anyone who will listen to me to try and, uh, team up to put a team into, into formula one. It would make a lot more sense than this sort of yeah. um, you know rumored connection with Renault Alpine or whatever it is to 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 get like Renault engines in the back of their cars. I mean, you know, and, and even if he's a little bit short, you know, maybe somehow they can find a way to to fund the whole Andretti Motorsports uh, Formula One experiment. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. I, honestly, I hadn't uh, considered that. So. Who knows? But I mean, right now they're kind of sort of not really in. They're kind of sort of not really out. They're kind of really kind of kind of sitting on the fence, I guess, is the best way to to, to, to call it. Yeah. So the big uh, result of the day, Max Verstappen wins, basically virtually sews up the, the world championship. Uh, one of the uh, quotes Max <laughs> had to say was, quote, it's not I don't, over yet. <laughs> it's not but, over yet. Well, I mean, it according is. it is. <laughs> I, Mathematically, kind of like, it's not over <laughs> No, well, I was kind of try- going to kind of parlay these comments into <laughs> Charles Leclerc's comments that it's it's yeah, it's yeah. getting a little bit For difficult sure. now. <laughs> well, you're only like, oh. <laughs> it's like, whatever, Charles. But yeah. uh, what Max had to say just to his thoughts was, uh, I'll let you comment on this one. Uh, Max said, quote, I don't expect it to be like that every single race weekend just because of the track layout, more downforce on the car to get round, less straights as well. So definitely it will be closer. Yes. But of course, we made a bigger gap, which, of course, is very nice. But we know that we have to score points every single weekend. End quote. Your thought on Max or your thoughts on Max? You know, starting from P14, got the safety car. That deficit is uh, eliminated very quickly in short order. He's at the front, and once he got into the front, he he was gone. I mean, he finished in in first. He was like 18, 19 odd seconds in front of his teammate. He was a light year ahead of everyone else today. He really was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One of the difficult things for a driver who's leading a championship is that sometimes you've got everything to lose. You don't really have much to gain. For Max starting P14, uh, you know, he's he's going up against and fighting drivers for points paying positions. These drivers are desperately holding on and Max has got to try and wrestle some of those spots away. And for some of those drivers, you know, they understand that, you know, they know that Max has got quite a bit to lose. So for for him just carving his way through the field, yes, some of the passes were like pretty straightforward, but some of it wasn't. I mean, the stuff that happened at the start of the race, I mean, that's a little dicey for him, right? Like he could have easily been taken out a couple times. So I think it, we have to kind of take our hat off to him on that end, managing that aggression that he has with the maturity that he's starting to build. Um, he was spectacular and he just, just keeps on getting stronger. Like he, he, um, he hasn't, I don't want to say slowing down, but he just seems different. And the times that speaking with him at the Miami Grand Prix, you know, speaking with him again, catching up uh, at the uh, Canadian Grand Prix. And you can just tell that this guy is like, he's just so focused. He's so locked in. Everything for, for him is racing. He eats, sleeps and, and breathes it. And I think that's the sign of this sort of new generation of, F1 driver, uh, racing driver is that that's it. Once they get into racing, they're all in. Not to say that, you know, the Lewis Hamiltons, the Schumachers, the Senna's, they weren't all into racing. It's not kind of what I'm saying, but well, you know, on on a vacation, what does Max do, right? He's probably playing sim racing somewhere, right? He's probably Mm -hmm. on a go-kart at some point. He's racing his GT3 RS around, you know, a local racetrack that's that's close by. I mean, he's always got his hands in it and he's never not focused or thinking or doing something that involves racing. And I think that's kind of the sign of that new generation of Formula One driver that, that's sort of coming through because I think that's kind of got to be, that's the next level, you know, you got to take it to. That's the next sort of evolution of these drivers um, and what they have to do to, to be super competitive. Uh, but that being said, I think like daily for me, like this is one of the more impressive weekends I've seen from him. Didn't put a wheel wrong all weekend and just dominated every session and every lap. He was incredible. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that because he was, I mean, it was, it was a, basically a complete performance, but I just want to get like, like a driver's point of view. I mean, you're on the track with Max and you know, he's starting further down the grid and you see him carving his way through i mean he gained what was it eight places on the first lap i mean charles made up a a good amount of uh, places as well you look at him now uh, max first in the world championship he's got 284 points sergio is second with 191 charles you know like i said uh, you know he still hasn't conceded defeat yet but he's 98 points behind max now he's got 186 points but what does that thought process have to be for max because like you say he's got more to lose than anyone else but you know he's got a big lead in the championship right so i mean is it just a a question of it's got to be more of a question of just i mean he can afford to throw away 
multiple races and not have to worry about Charles. It's not like he's got a 10 or a 20 or even a 30 point lead because, I mean, he could lose a race today. And if Charles was 30 points behind him, if Max finished with no points and Charles wins the race, all of a sudden that 30 point gap is now five points, right? So it'd have to be more like that he injures himself. He hurts an arm or a leg or, or something like that. Um, you know, that would have to be his big concern. What, what, what do you think where his focus has to be? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're in the car in front of him, you're not changing the way that you're thinking. You're not changing the way that you're racing. I mean, you're still out there. It's like, I don't want that guy to pass me. And I'm trying to catch and pass the guy in front of me because I want to be the guy that gets to the checkered flag first. So... There's probably more variables going around in Max's mind compared to the other 19 guys on the track at the moment. This is what well, I'm getting at. I think like for Max, though, his mentality has always been to be the aggressor. And, you know, if you look yep. at the team like Red Bull as a whole, you know, Dale, you know, I've even talked about just how aggressive they are with their pit strategy and how they're always oh, yeah. attacking yep. and how they never yep. really sit back. And the same mentality goes for Max. He doesn't sit back. He continues to be aggressive. He doesn't change his driving style. He doesn't change, you know, who he is on the racetrack. And you have to respect that because I I know some drivers who would do that, who would lean back a little bit and take the foot off the gas just a tiny bit, just because they know they, uh, you know, I need a little bit of a buffer here. And if I crash, you know, it's going to eat into my lead and whatever. But for Max, it's just full go. He just doesn't, he doesn't stop. And I think, and I think as a competitor and as a racing driver of his caliber, I think that moment that you start to think about or change uh, your tactics, your driving style, the way you are on the racetrack, I think that is the moment that you put yourself into a very difficult position um, mm-hmm. because you just you, you've you've lost who you are. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't race to like the the same way to get to the position where you're at, you're not really your, yourself anymore. But you make a great point that there's such an aggressive team in their tactics. And you kind of look at the way that Ferrari does things. And it, it was really interesting when you hear like the comms, right? And you have like the engineer, do you want mediums? Do you want hards? You know, it's just like, you know, it's like, do you want Coke with your burger or do you want fries? <laughs> or like, you know, it's like, you know, it just like, it's such a different thing. It just, it seems almost like casual. It's almost like you can hear the second guessing on the pit wall. You know, it's just like, I'm just <laughs> like, wow. It's just like, do you want to come? in do you want to stay out it's like for god's sake somebody make a decision here like like, like you, you guys are like pretending you're like competing like for this championship and you know this has got like such an amateurish air to it it's just it's it's mind-blowing one of the funny parts was uh i think it was from his engineer uh and he asked him like hey you know at, at the moment what is it? it was like at the moment like your p10 like strolls in front of you, and I think, and I think Leclerc fired back with like, "No, Verstappen's in front," and then the engineer fired back with, "Correction, you are P nine." <laughs> I'm like, oh, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me! Like that's not real, right? Like, oh my god. Well, you know, and and that's the funny thing too, because they they've almost been elevated a little bit. Because I mean, the car is clearly it's got a lot of potential. It's a quick car, 
And then you have like the reversal where Mercedes went from top to they've dropped a couple of rungs on the ladder, right? So they're not really in that conversation. And then, so I guess everybody is like, you need a good guy and a bad guy, or you need those two conflicting, you know, parties in a championship, right? And it's mm-hmm. just so funny because you look at Red Bull and they always have things. They're everything is always on point. I mean, you look at they they had like the at the beginning of the broadcast, they had the the fastest pit stop of the year, and they're creeping down to the just over the two second mark, which a year ago they put in all those measures to for safety reasons to to slow them down. But Formula One being Formula One, it's creeping down. Red Bull's fastest time of the year is about it's just sub two point two seconds. I mean, that just kind of subs it up, right? I mean, it's just uh, it, it's just amazing. And then you get some of the uh, the, the comments uh, from from Carlos Sainz uh, from Ferrari, and Carlos had to say, "quote I think we left nothing out on the table today. We were just not strong enough compared to them. They were on another planet this weekend. They were just st- strong in quality, strong in the race, better in tire management, stronger in the straights, mm-hmm. strong in the corners, and some." of them and we were not quick enough unfortunately i would uh i think we would lie if we wouldn't say that we are surprised because the gap was certainly much bigger or the biggest we've seen all season across the two teams and certainly something what we didn't expect which means we need to go back and analyze why at this sort of track we are so weak we still need to analyze that some of the conclusions and some come back with a better low downforce package for monza in case they we are not strong there also end quote I mean, that isn't like, I mean, those are like incredible words. I mean, he's not throwing them under the bus completely, like saying, hey, we suck. But I think there's some very, uh, you know, interesting admissions in there. It's just like that, that whole laundry list of we were, they were stronger here, here, here. I was like, Carlos, they're basically, you've listed off, they were stronger everywhere than you were this weekend. I think that's just very interesting. But they got a lot of work to do, not just for Sanford, for Monza. I mean, it's, it's, there's light years between them. I don't think it'll be. I don't think the gap is going to be as big when we get to uh, the next race at Zandvoort. I think it'll be back on par to where it was. I have a feeling that this track is just in in the conditions were was just something that suited you know Red Bull's car. I think it's better if you're at Spa and you're not running a lot of downforce. Like if the car is is quick in sectors one and three. I mean you know, chances of you being very competitive there are really good. I mean, you don't necessarily need to worry too, too much about sector two. I mean, you can, if you're fighting with somebody, you can stay ahead in sector two. Um, I think it'll be a lot closer. I think Ferrari is going to be way more competitive when we get the Zandvoort. It's just going to be a different story. The track's going to be more suited towards the Ferrari car. Ferrari just will bolt on a ton of downforce. That's what that car is good for and away they go. But when they get to Monza, that's going to be a different story. No, it's power track. Really power story. track. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's funny too because Charles, who you know, he's obviously had issues uh, with Ferrari this year. He had to say uh, at the end of the race, "quote uh, At the end, it is more frustrating to see the delta of pace there there was between Red Bull and us, which is the thing we need to work on." End quote. Well, Charles, tell us something we don't <laughs> we don't know. But, like Daly, why bring him in to try and get the fastest lap of the race? Well, I, I mean, exactly. When you're 98 points behind the championship leader, who really cares if you get that single point? Because you need big it's, chunks. It's, 
Yeah, you yeah, you need like 10 points or 20 points or or whatever it is. This is not Max V Lewis 2021 where that single point absolutely could have made a difference come end of the season, right? Yeah. It was just so bizarre. I mean, they pull him in there and then when you see the camera at the source there is just like well, Fernando's coming pretty quick. It looks like he might get him, and he did. And then, so that was like a face palm moment. I <sighs> mean, you go into the last lap, he does retake the position, and then he's demoted because he gets a, a penalty applied for speeding in the pit lane. So tell us a little bit more about that, because that just kind of sums it. Like, I mean, if there isn't a more Ferrari moment than this season that's been full of Ferrari face Paul moments. That's just, uh, that's just another one to add to the, add to the long story list. Yeah. Ferrari had a, so there was a tear off, uh, that became stuck in Charles Leclerc's, um, brake duct and Ferrari actually, you know, let everybody know that there was a, it was actually a sensor failure because of it. Okay, and somehow that sensor failure uh, resulted in the the pit lane uh, speed like speeding penalty as well. It's actually kind of uh, it's a little confusing, but I mean at the end of the day, they use a lot of these sensors to get exact uh, data. So I mean at the end of the day, this is they still I don't think I just don't agree with them bringing him in. You don't you don't need the fastest lap. You were never going to get it. And why even bother trying? Because it's a point and you're risking, you know, giving away more points, which ended up happening. Right. And it didn't even pay off. Like none of it worked. I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a disaster. And so I, it's just, ah, God. Well, it's just, even Fernando's. It's hard to to watch. You know what I mean, Dale? I mean, like this is is a team that's. You know, they have a good car and we've we've said this multiple times on the show that, you know, like Ferrari mm-hmm. has a great car. Ferrari has two great drivers and it's just those little things, those little details just the, 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 that are happening now within the strategy department. You got to take a closer look at what's going on in there and sort this out because it's it's there's just things that just are not working there, man. They're not working. Well, the, the king of the quotes on the day, Fernando Alonso, said after the race that uh, Ferrari makes some quote-unquote uh, strange strategies, and I don't think there is any oh, yeah. better way to sum it up <laughs> He was laughing that. at the end when he said that. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're laughing here just at the same thing, because like you say, there, there, there was no logic to, to do that. And when I saw him go into the pits, I'm just like, no, no, you guys, no, come on, <laughs> yeah, guys, what, what are you doing? Come on. This does not need to be happening right now. But uh, hey, Tim, this was great as always. Before we go, I just want to like uh, give everybody a rundown on the both the drivers and the constructors uh, championships. And we'll do so because I think we've uh, basically run out of everything we got time for today unless there's you, something um, uh, you yeah for for did, yourself like anyone anything in particular stand out well from from the race itself the well, any driver who was who the driver that stuck out to you the most i thought uh, that that one driver that really stood out for me today was uh, was alex albon i mean i thought he was mixing up in places that uh, he shouldn't be i thought uh, that uh, sebastian vettel showed us uh, some sebastian vettel type uh, moments even though he kind of came off uh, for the worst in that sort of uh, recreation of hakkinen versus schumacher and ricardo zonta being that sandwich on the kemmel straight way back in what was it 2000 
but I thought that was a really solid uh, performance by him. Kind of showed us some glimpses of Sebastian Vettel of old on that uh, that pass. Eventually, he did uh, retake uh, Gasly, but uh, Esteban obviously came on uh, out on top. Awesome, awesome! It was beauty, beauty, beauty. That was awesome. I want to give I want to give a shout out to to those two because I think very quietly they had uh, very productive Sunday afternoons. I think they deserve a little bit of recognition for it. How sure. about yourself? Um, Pierre Gasly starting from pit lane. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, and getting really good points. And this is uh, this is a driver whose name has now come up again in the driver market, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Alpine has taken an interest in acquiring Pierre Gasly's services. Uh, We'll find out uh, later on this week what's going to happen between Alpine and McLaren and Oscar Piastri and who wins that battle. I have a feeling, uh, since it is going to the contract recognition board on Monday, I have a feeling we may get some news Monday evening. Uh, And Hmm, then I also feel that I also feel that Alpine probably could win this thing. And if they do, I don't necessarily see Oscar staying at the team. I, I see Alpine basically doing a deal. Uh, this is what it looks like to me. I, I, I would understand that, or I'd, I would suggest that Alpine farms him out or basically uh, mm. uh, tr- uh, exchanges him to McLaren for a big bag of cash to uh, maybe pay down some of that debt that um, <laughs> they, they spent on, on Piastri because they spent a lot of money on him. And I, I could see something sure. like that happening. And then Gasly maybe even uh, moving on over to uh, to Alpine. And then there's also been rumors that um, Alpha Tauri and Helmut Marco are uh, looking at going after Colton Herta in IndyCar. Uh, but again, Colton doesn't have a uh, super license just yet, but if he gets enough, uh, free practice one sessions, he probably will get that. Uh, but mm-hmm. then they can also apply for him, uh, to get basically, uh, a free pass from the FIA that would, would deem him to have a super license. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, on that end. So yeah, mm-hmm. exciting times ahead. <laughs> oh, those are uh, some uh, juicy kind of th- stories to kind of mull over the next uh, couple of days. And I know this is a bigger conversation for when we have more time, but yeah. I don't think that there is any doubt that uh, that Pierre Gasly would be better served to get out of that Red Bull system into a, a, you know a team into a, a system that would kind of let him really flourish. I feel like he mm-hmm. smothered a little bit, but I uh, like I say. That's a uh, conversation for another time. Really, uh, quite quickly, the uh, the top five in the uh, Drivers' uh, World Championship: Max Verstappen, two hundred eighty four points; Sergio Perez, his Red Bull teammate, two hundred ninety one. Charles Leclerc drops into third position in the World Championship, one hundred eighty six points. Teammate Carlos Sainz, one hundred seventy one. George Russell, one hundred seventy points. A very decent, very good season for George Russell thus far in twenty twenty two. On the constructor side, the top. Top five teams are Red Bull with 475 points, completely running away with it at this point. Ferrari 357 being caught ever so slowly and marginally by the Mercedes, who have 316. Alpine are fourth with 115. And finally, fifth in the top five of the uh, Constructors World Championship, McLaren with a not so impressive 95 points after what 14 rounds or whatever it is now Mm -hmm. so clearly they've dropped right a bit hey tim this was awesome as always before we uh call this a day let everybody know where they can follow you on social media where they can get the racing pod and all that good stuff 
Yeah, if you want more from me, you can get me on social media at Tim Haraney on all forms. And if you want, you can listen to the TSN uh, Racing Pod and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, uh, give us a give us a rating, write a review, helps us quite a bit. So that's TSN Racing Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. And we are the Scootery F1 Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Scootery F1 Pod. And uh, like Tim, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those good places. And this was awesome, Tim. Thanks so much. We'll be back here to do this again next week. It's going to be fast and furious to pun fully intended to, to wrap up the 2022 Formula One World Championship. And we look forward to... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't help that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I know when, when, when the time is to uh, pull the plug and turn out the lights and that time has come. Have a great uh, week, everyone. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.